Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, this episode is brought to you by my very own NLP practitioner course. I've been teaching neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP, for nearly 15 years. It is the most powerful tool for communication on the planet, and it can be yours today. For a very limited time, I'm giving away my entire NLP course workbook for free. Go to nlpwithmatt.com. All the patterns, all the tools, and the techniques of NLP in the complete course workbook, the same one that we use to teach our live certification classes, yours free. NLPwithmatt.com. Get it today. Let's get back to the show. Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. If you hear the noise in that background, this is an exciting time because, well, um, as you saw, we are on kind of an Olympic kick. We are on a athletic kick and I'm excited to find out because, you know, I've been a climber for 20 years and I'm you know, never into athletics, but then all of a sudden I got into different kinds of athletics and I realized there's a lot more out there than just, you know, football and soccer and everything. And today we have an Olympic hopeful on the line. Super excited to chat with Sammy Schultz. Sammy is right now training at the training camp at the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Training Center in Colorado Springs. She's uh, qualified in training for the Tokyo 2020 Olympics coming up, like right now, coming up this, you know, I think it's the summertime here. And uh, she has qualified in 2016 as an alternate. She is uh, going to Tokyo this year, and she's hoping to bring her family out. And I cannot wait to get into her sport and everything it takes to get to that point in life. So before any further ado, Sammy Schultz, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm awesome. I'm awesome, man. I, I love uh, the first thing I hear is this big old bang background. I go, where are you? <laughs> like, I'm at the training center. So you're there right now. Yeah. And were you just, were you just working out? Are you in the weightlifting room? What are you doing? Uh, so I just had a fencing lesson with my coach, um, just doing some drills. And right now I'm sitting here with foam rollers some exercise bands. Um, so I'll be doing a run after this and then go into the pool for a swim. So, and, and that kind of brings me to the next, uh, <laughs> the next question is what, is, what does a day in the life look like? Your, I mean, I, I want to get kind of to, we'll get, we'll get back to some of the early times, but because we're exactly where you are in the hallway of the training center, what's life like a day in the life in the U.S. Olympic Training Center? You're there, obviously, you're doing the pentathlon, and I want to get to that in a second, um, but you're competing in five different sports in Tokyo. So what does it look like to do training? And I mean, is your entire day and night training? Do you live and breathe it or do you get downtime? Tell me a little bit about kind of what your life is like today. Uh, so, I mean, today, um, or like a typical day training for pentathlon, we train pretty much everything every day or um, kind of a mix of things. Uh, pretty much running and swimming every day, um, fencing, bouting two to three days a week, and then lessons and drills two to three days a week, shooting um, three days a week, riding once a week, uh, swimming and running about six days a week, uh, maybe seven. And then I try to get some yoga in there as well. So this morning, fencing lesson with my coach, um, I'll have a run 
some running drills, a swim. I'll have a break for lunch. And then um, in the so afternoon. You do get to eat between all that. You do get to eat. <laughs> I'll do some little snacks here and there, uh, <laughs> things that are like easy to digest, which actually I just did a little baking video on my YouTube channel for some of my protein muffins that I do for snacks. Cause it is challenging to fuel yourself for all this training. And so that is kind of one thing I'm, I'm playing around with is different things to be able to eat between practices. And then, I mean, even this afternoon, I still have shooting and fencing. So not just training in the morning, but being able to make sure that I have enough energy to get through the rest of the day and not just completely crash and burn. And then basically refuel, go to bed, uh, stretch or anything before bed if I'm feeling tight and then repeat, um, eat, sleep, rinse, repeat, kind of keep going. And, um, but it's a, it's a great sport. I think just the diversity of it, it is a lot of training, but there's always kind of that variety in it, uh, which I have always enjoyed being a multi-sport athlete. Yeah. And and so being a multi-sport athlete, you know, I, I know you growing up in Colorado um, and I know you grew up in Littleton. I actually know that town. I used to live in Boulder for a bit. Um, oh my gosh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really cool town. And, um, you know, I have family in the Denver area and whatnot, but, you know, growing up in, in, I know Colorado, especially that Littleton kind of South of Denver area, it's super, I don't know, I guess athletic, it, you know, people love being outdoors, really sunshine. When you grow up as a kid, were you like head first into sports and specifically i really love asking this when i see a really athletic female did you like jump into like the guy sport so to speak um was there anything i don't know was it weird was it fun was it straightforward was it natural what was it like being a young girl super athletic like clearly you were so i mean just growing up in colorado i'm very active as a family growing up i'm very fortunate Uh, my dad i mean i had an older sister so i think that competitiveness to always kind of keep up with her um, was a big driving force for me. And my, my dad was very athletic. My mom, um, they had me on skis the day before I was two. (laughs) So that was one of the first sports I ever did. Um, my mom coached the local swim team. Uh, we lived right across the street from a pool. So growing up, I was like five or six, I was on the swim team. Uh, we had a tennis court across the street. So it was kind of just a part of the lifestyle, especially in the summertime. And then in the winter we were skiing uh, just to be very active. And I eventually started playing soccer. I tried ice skating at one point. I did gymnastics. Uh, I never really felt like I got much into like the, I, I was like a guy in a sport. I mean, I think there was, there was a lot more opportunity for women growing up and doing sports, uh, kind of in my generation versus my mom's. Whereas for her, it was like cheerleading and tennis and swimming were kind of the only sports that were available. So I think they were very willing to put me into a lot of different, a lot of different sports, as long as if I didn't like the event or I didn't like the sport, I still had to finish out that season. That was the one rule that our family kind of had. It was like, okay, even if you don't like it, finish it out, you know, see it through. And if you don't like it, you don't want to keep going. That's fine. Uh, we'll find something else that you enjoy to do. And I mean, I enjoy doing a lot of different things more, more so soccer swimming and eventually picked up horseback riding. Uh, we had some family friends that had horses and, um, being a little horse, crazy little girl, I got to live that dream and start riding horses. Uh, we grew up hunting. Uh, so it was kind of, I think my dad having two daughters, we were kind of the sons he never had, but 
he didn't treat us like boys. We were still girls and, but we got out there, we got dirty. We still had to work hard. And I think that that was, that was just instilled in us as, as kids. And then it kind of transferred over with sports. It was like, if you want something, you just put your head down and you push and you keep going and you work hard. Uh, I never really felt, I mean, I guess I was maybe somewhat of a tomboy growing up, but not so much. I went through phases where all I would wear was dresses. My mom said, <laughs> what, 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 what phase, what time period do you think that was? Um, I think I was probably between like kindergarten and third grade. <laughs> she was like, you, if it wasn't a skirt or a sport or a dress, you would not wear it. <laughs> So, so you go through this little phase and it might be something to do with, with the, the boys and the girls and, and your dad and whatnot. Maybe not. Who knows? I'm not a, I'm not a therapist. I don't care. But you, <laughs> you, you go through that kind of period. And was there any sports early on that you really, really took to? Like the first time you tried it, you were like, yes, this is it. And that stayed. Or because it sounds like you were very experimental. And I love that. I don't hear that a lot, actually. Um, like I wish, I wish I had that as a kid, you know, the only thing I got exposed to as a young boy in the eighties was, um, basketball, football, volleyball, baseball, soccer, all the standard things from school. And I didn't like any of them. So yeah. I, you know, by fifth grade, I decided that I'm not athletic and I can never do this stuff cause I wasn't any good at it. And then it wasn't until I was a, an adult that I got into climbing and snowboarding and snowshoeing and mountaineering and a bunch of other, that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can do sports. So for you, you got into all these different types. Um, so I guess my original question is, was there anything that stuck out as this is like an early love that has stayed, excuse me, <clears throat> an early love that stayed and you're, you're with it. And the flip side, is there anything that you tried that you absolutely hated or didn't love, but you finished this out anyway? Any stories about that? Um, I mean, I would say there was, I mean, that's probably why I'm a multi-sport athlete. There was so many things that I loved. I love, I love swimming, that aspect of just like the feeling of the water. Uh, and anytime I've been injured, the pool's kind of always been there is kind of my sacred place to go. It's, but it is too. It's one of those places like swimming is never easy. It's always a challenge. So I have a love hate relationship with that. Some days are great. Some days are really really hard. And I think running's the same way and same with horseback riding. It can be really frustrating trying to deal with another animal if they're not cooperating with you, but that's a part of kind of figuring out, Hey, what do I need to do to communicate with this animal? Or what do I need to do, you know, to make this workout go better because I don't feel good today. Um, so I'm going to work on form. I'm going to just focus on, you know, like my times aren't great. So let's put the clock away and let's just try to run off effort. Um, so I think a lot of things have just been a love hate relationship and maybe that's why I have built up such a great passion for doing so many different events and so many different sports that require different skills. Um, but I but, would say like some sports that I really was not good at basketball. Oh my gosh, I'm terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, baseball. I mean, I, I dappled in it, but I think it was more just like a gym class kind of thing. I never actually played that sport uh, much. And then it just uh, didn't really call to you. It wasn't like you weren't at peace with it. You didn't smile when you were doing it, but horseback riding and, and, and fencing and, and swimming, always feeling at home. Tell me about when you're 14 years old, you, uh, you hear about the pentathlon for the first time. I can't even believe I pronounced it right, I think. Is <laughs> yes, that right? right. Oh, okay. Pentathlon, yes. So the pentathlon is the five-sport competition. 
Do you remember where you were when you heard about that? Was it like a light bulb moment of, oh my gosh, I want to do that? Or did it just kind of, you heard about it, it was in the back of your brain and you went on with life? Tell me kind of about the introduction to the idea of, of being a multi-sport athlete. Yeah. So when I was 14, I think my dad had read an article. It was, you know, an Olympics um, was coming. It might've been Beijing, the Beijing Olympics. And there was a woman who was in her thirties. And then there was a girl who was 18 in the Olympics in the sport of modern pentathlon. And it was like the biggest age gap for, you know, just two different women on just different ends of the spectrum. And my dad read an article about it and was like, Hey, you know, you grew up hunting, you run, you swim, you ride horses. The only thing you don't do is fence. This is a very interesting sport. This would be kind of cool thing to get you into, but you know, we didn't really know how to, or we didn't know much about it. And so, yeah, we kind of just wrote it off and it was like, okay, that, you know, it's a really interesting sport. We'll kind of follow along with it. We'll watch the Olympics. And another opportunity came up when I was um, 18 and I was, I was finishing up high school my senior year and someone I rode horses with did pentathlon. Her, her daughter did pentathlon and she got to know me, her and our daughter. Um, I was the same age as her daughter. And so she was like, Hey, why don't you go do a, a camp at the Olympic training, Olympic and Paralympic training center in Colorado Springs, um, with sport of pentathlon, you'd be great. And that was kind of when we we're like, Oh, there, there's pentathlon in Colorado. We had no idea. <laughs> and so and I, and I could just go to a camp. What does it take to, you said you did your first camp then you're 18, you go to the Olympic Paralympic training center. Is that, um, is that an application process? Is that something you just got to sign up for and show up for? Tell me kind of about the, is there selection for it? How does that work to go to a, a training camp? Because that sounds awesome, especially at 18 years old. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's different, there's camps for all ages, but there's a youth development, there's junior development, senior. So through that level, they just had, uh, they had a, a youth qualification competition and a camp leading up to it. And they were hosting the competition here at the Olympic Training Center. So they had, yeah, it was just an online application process uh, through USA Pentathlon. And I got to know a coach in Denver who was connected to a coach in Colorado Springs. And through kind of both of them, we coordinated with training and I got signed up for the camp and came up here and got my first taste of training for modern pentathlon and all five events. So that was kind of I mean, I, I kind of got thrown in with the wolves, uh, but I, that's kind of sometimes how you have to learn and, you know, kind of, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, it was, it, it was definitely learning the fencing was a little bit rough. Um, that learning curve, just cause it was so different from anything else I'd really ever done other than running and swimming and the horseback riding, but being able to learn and be around that atmosphere at the Olympic training center was very inspiring, very motivating. And it was, it was a, a really neat way to start, especially being from Colorado. I'd never been to the Olympic training center. So it was really cool to be able to, to go and not just visit, but actually stay there and train, um, around Olympians. And <laughs> it, it was a really neat experience. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's fine. I, I wasn't sure we we're going to bring it up or not, but like, yeah, so I went and did my first visit over there um, a few months back and, you know, met some of the directors and, and, and that's where I connected with Cole, who obviously made the connection for us. And, and what a good dude, by the way. So Cole, 
you're awesome. If you're listening to this, you're rock brother. <laughs> um, but that place is epic. I mean, it's just so, it's awe-inspiring. You know, we're walking up and and now we're, we're working on actually putting on a leadership event hosted at the Olympic Paralympic Training Center, which will be kind of a dream come true for me because I'm a live event media training person. So it's like, that's my, I don't know, I guess my sport. Um, but to put something on there where, you know, you, you see the, the trellis walk up to the huge Olympic fire and the Olympic torch um, creation there and, and walking in the scene where, I mean, Olympians are everywhere and Paralympians are everywhere and Olympic hopefuls and you guys are eating there and training there. Um, it, when you go to a camp like that and, you know, especially at 18, but even now, does it feel like, does it feel like summer camp in a way? Um, is it... And this might be kind of funny to ask, but what's the community like? Is it clicky? Is it like super open yoga community commune kind of feel? Is it uh, everyone's like down to uh, determined and, and fighting? Like, you know, so does, is it almost more like a military base in that way where everyone's doing their thing and getting it accomplished? Or does it kind of feel like camp? Like, tell me a little bit about the vibe uh, living and training there. So I was, uh, when I first came out, in 2010, uh, I stayed on complex for the camp. And then, uh, after that, uh, I lived off complex for a little while in a tiny little apartment with like two other athletes. Cause they didn't have, um, they didn't have spot on the resident team for it, uh, for me to live there. And then they, once I had more results and I was doing better, then I met requirements to be on the resident team. So I lived on complex. And uh, they cut the resident program. So now all of us that train here for pentathlon are offsite residents or offsite facility use. So I live in an apartment uh, offsite and come and here to train. You've, clearly, you've moved to Colorado Springs. I mean, if yes. anyone's not in the area, this is, I think this show goes out to like 140 countries. Okay, um, yeah. So, so you're about an hour <laughs> away from where you grew up, give or take, right? Yeah, about an hour and a half away from where I grew up. And then I live maybe like 10, 15 minutes away from the training center. Nice. Okay, cool. So it, it's definitely a different, uh, when I lived on complex, it was, it, it, it was a whole community. I mean, you, you live, you eat, you, um, you see everyone training in the gym, you, you walk by and you say, hi, it's, it's very open, very friendly. Every, it's like a big family. It's a, it's a support system and it's kind of neat to be around other athletes and other sports because you're all going through this fight, this struggle, uh, these internal battles, these ups and downs, this roller coaster, you're traveling, uh, but being able to come home to a place that's familiar and people that, that see you, especially being away from your family. I'm fortunate that I'm close. I'm still close to home, but a lot of people, you know, they don't get to go home and travel to see their family over holidays. So this is their family here. And it, you kind of see that connection with athletes. Uh, they build that connection over time. And since I don't live here anymore, I, I don't feel like I am as close. Um, but then there is other benefits to living off, off complex. I mean, I'm married, I have my husband. So, you know, he being able to have that freedom of having my own home, my own apartment is, is a different kind of freedom. You definitely have a lot less to worry about when you're living on complex. You don't have to worry about paying your bills, your food is ready. So that's um, one thing that it kind of eliminates all that extra stress. But at some point, it's kind of like it is nice to have a little more freedom, be on your own and be able to still come here to train. 
and have everything in one place, especially being a multi-sport athlete, uh, having your facilities in one area that you can utilize that's huge because we spend so much time training for different events that we really need to have, uh, be able to make the most bang for our buck, not be driving around in a car an hour to get here, 30 minutes there. Uh, so it, having the training center is great. And I, I also have connection with the athletes here too, just maybe not quite as much as I would, uh, when I lived on complex. Mm. Now you, uh, you said also you just got married. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And, and I love your, uh, uh, we were talking about before we went to recording your maiden name, uh, Achterberg. Achter, am I saying that right? Achterberg. Yeah. <laughs> Achterberg, right? Because we we're looking at, at uh, your YouTube and uh, check, by the way, check out some of the videos, especially that you talked about those uh, protein muffins at YouTube. It's Samantha Schultz Achterberg. And we'll have that if you get this on demand, it'll be right in the show notes and everything for here. You can also follow Samantha, uh, Samantha or Sammy on Instagram at Samantha AUSA. Is that right? Yes, that's right. AUSA. And, and you can't imagine the cool, like just the photos of, of the training and the food and just kind of everything. You can get a, a glimpse in the life of an Olympic hopeful. It's a pretty neat thing. Um, I want to talk just a second too about mindset if we can. Um, a lot of people listening, you know, we're really into understanding the patterns of mindset. And what stuck out to me is number one is this sport is so bizarre. Because I think about like, okay, horseback riding and shooting. Okay, those are fairly unique sports <laughs> for, for two different reasons. But then you have the running and swimming. Is that right? Yes. And, and those are like, I don't know, I guess more on a, a traditional in a way, right? It's like, you know, uh -huh. you think triathlon and it's like, oh, running, swimming, uh, biking. That makes sense. But then you throw in horseback riding, you throw in shooting and then fencing of all things. It seems like, number one, you were definitely... It uh, seems like you were born into the pentathlon mentality without even knowing it as a kid. But tell me a little bit about the mindset around fencing. How old were you when you picked up, uh, is it a sword? I, I don't know anything about fencing. Tell me about how old were you when you picked it up and how did it feel? Were you like excited, like this is a challenge, I can get this too, I got everything else? Or were you, I don't know, uh, a little intimidated perhaps from, hey, if I'm going to try to go to the Olympics with this sport I've never done before, what was the mindset like? And if you had to get over any obstacles, how did you do that? So yeah, fencing was the last sport I really had to learn. And it was completely different from anything else I'd ever done. Because um, you weren't doing I, any other like combat sports, so to speak, right? Or whatever you No, do. I mean, soccer was probably the most combative sport I did. And that, I mean, that's like nothing compared to... Um, fencing or even something like boxing. Uh, but yeah, fencing, it's, you have an opponent in front of you. So they, they call it almost a, a physical game of chess is the way they kind of equate it to. So for every move I do, there's a counter counter action. There's a counter move. You have distance, timing, technique. You're thinking about your footwork. You're thinking about your arm. You're thinking about what your opponent's doing. You're trying to, so a lot can be going on and it can, can be intimidating. I mean, you've got a sword. Um, we call it an epee. So we do epee fencing. You can hit anywhere on the body. You can hit the mask, the hand, the foot, the leg, the torso. So everything is a target. And, uh, so you get that full on, like beekeeper fencer mask deal going, right? Yes, we I do. Love <laughs> and, uh, for pentathlon, we do one touch one minute with each opponent. So you're doing 35 bouts with 
um, you're doing one touch bout with every person in the competition. So you're everyone what a one touch one minute bout is. Uh, so basically you're trying to get your light on first, um, either you get the touch or your opponent gets the touch. So if once I hit anywhere on their body, that's my victory. Um, and they have a defeat and the more victories you get, the more points you get, you don't, and you have a whole minute to accomplish that, which a minute doesn't sound like a lot of time, but it's a lot. And if you're moving your feet, you're working, you're getting your heart rate up. And then that also makes the ability for you to make those fine motor skills. The more your heart rate gets elevated, those motor skills get harder to do and harder to accomplish. And I think that was pretty, that was intimidating for me is having Nepe come flying at you. You know, you're getting hit, you're getting beat up. Um, all these people that have fenced for years and then me coming in, not really knowing at all what I'm doing. It, it was very intimidating. And I, I've worked with so many coaches and it really has been a struggle. Like a lot of days you're just, I mean, <laughs> it hurts sometimes, especially fencing. I mean, men and women, they, they can hit hard or you'll get hit in the shin or you'll get hit in the toe and just frustrating. I mean, you can put hours and hours of work in and not feel like it makes a difference because there is such that mental aspect of like, you have to be relaxed, but you also have to be quick and smooth uh, and I'm working with a coach now who's really, um, I mean, I've just seen a, a big transformation in utilizing what my tools are, not trying to force me to fence the way he fences, but utilizing what my skills I have and what I'm naturally uh, in tune to do, what my reactions are and being able to be like, okay, that works. Let's utilize this because this is what you do. So working with me specifically as an athlete and not lumping me in. Um, and that I think allowed, has allowed me to grow more as an athlete because it's, it, it's kind of being like, okay, this is what I do well, capsizing on it, focusing on it and not just being like, I need to be like someone else or someone else. Cause you are your own athlete and you have to be able to train the way your body needs to figure that out and work with what you have. Do you find it easy to switch gears? I, I imagine like say swimming, you get into this kind of rhythmic relaxed zone and then horseback riding you're connecting with the animal and then fencing you're stepping back and being strategic and shooting is you know like total zone in it feels like there are obviously different uh well actually as i as i say that i can see the parallel in running and swimming and even shooting right where it's like it's calm it's focused it's centered and that sort of thing do right. you feel that same style with fencing? Tell me if I'm way off because I don't do these sports like obviously <laughs> as you do. Um, is it hard to switch gears for the different types of sports men mentally or is it kind of easy because as we're saying it, maybe they're more similar than not? Tell me a little bit about kind of the mental gear changing uh, throughout your day even as you're training. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, the mental gear changing, it's definitely different for each sport. And I would say there's there's a rhythmic aspect of shooting, running, swimming, and horseback riding. And fencing, I would say, getting into a rhythm or a pattern is sometimes not good. So that can be the hard part. Because then that's bad strategy, right? Because now they're they're going to be able to predict your move if you're too exactly yeah too rhythmic or too patterned. So there is a, that different mentality, and you know, every sport you kind of fencing has to be explosive. Um, we swim 200 meters, so you're doing somewhat of like a mid distance and then the running and shooting is combined. So you're not just precision shooting, you're shooting and then you have to focus on running. 
shooting, running. Uh, so we have to do five hits on a target, run 800 meters and do that four times. Well, and okay. Got- so, wait, wait, let's, let's, let's break that down for a second. Cause I wanted to get to that, uh, as we're winding down here in our time. So let's okay. talk about, um, Tokyo 2020. And by the way, my friends, if you want to help support Sammy, um, you know, this is these, these athletes, like their, your entire life at this moment is training for, to go to the Olympics and to represent team USA to represent us our like, you know, if you're in the United States with me, it's representing the United States at the Olympic, uh, at the Olympic level. This is incredible, but it also takes everything they have. So, um, Sammy has a page set up and I can't wait. I'm going to jump on and support you here too. It's Samantha K That's your website. And if you go to samanthakusa.com slash you dash can dash help, and I'll have that link right up as well on the site here and on the show notes, you can go there and you can donate through PayPal any amount to help send to Sammy to continue training, to help send her to Tokyo. And one of her goals you were talking about before we went to tape is um, you want to be able to invite and bring your family with you to cheer you on and to witness and experience the Olympics in Tokyo, which is not a small task. It all takes money. And Sammy could either have a full-time job and be an okay athlete or be a full-time athlete and crush it at the Olympics. So mm-hmm. um, if you believe in this mission and this dream, especially for a young lady like that, I really encourage you to head over to SamanthaKUSA.com and help support sending Samantha, the Olympic hopeful. You qualified as an alternate in 2016. You were not able to compete or there wasn't a space to compete, but you did qualify and you were there. Um, so technically you are an Olympian, but <laughs> you're ready to compete in 2020. This is going to be awesome. Um, so anyway, I want to make sure we mentioned that. So you can head over and help Sammy get to 2020 Tokyo. It's going to oh, thank be you. <laughs> let's, as we wind down here, let's talk about, uh, what that, the actual competition looks like. So I was going to ask when you're doing a pentathlon, is it you're hitting, um, each one of these sports and then coming back, you know, cause again, similar to, Oh no, not similar. I, I guess like I think about triathlon and you're going to, um, you're going to do the swim and then you jump off soaping wet and get on your, your bike and then <laughs> bike and then you stop and you run with rubber legs. What is the pentathlon version of that with all these crazy <laughs> different intersecting sports? Yeah. I mean, okay. So before I get into what a pentathlon competition is like, I know you briefly touched on how like random the sports are. So I kind of just want to go over a recap of how yes, those please. sports actually got together. Um, it was actually an original Olympic sport and it was founded by Pierre de Coubertin, who founded the modern day Olympics. So it has a lot of history and uh, it was built upon like a modern warrior back in the day, hence why it was called modern pentathlon. And so um, they wanted, if a soldier had to deliver a message across enemy lines, he would need to know how to ride a horse across any terrain he would need to know how to shoot a pistol. If he ran out of ammunition, he'd have to know how to fence. So he'd pull out, or he'd have to pull out his sword and sword fight. And if you come to a body of water, you have to know how to swim. Once you're on the other side, you have nothing left. So you have to run to finish to deliver that message. So that kind of is how those sports come together a little bit more. If that does that make a little bit more sense now? Of how that makes a ton events. of sense. And it's <laughs> amazing to think, you know, because now we think of the Olympics and we have curling and we have, you know, and everyone loves curling, but we have all these different um, sports and just the Olympics are, is this athletic competition. But really what you're talking about is, you know, the original Olympic Games, 1912. It's like, what is an Olympian? What are the Olympic Games? And I love it's modern warrior. Um, it's so cool. So you jump in, you decide you're a modern warrior and you're going to get out here and do all five of these. 
Tell me a little bit about what the actual competition day looks like. So the um, actual competition for pentathlon, uh, we'll do either fencing or swimming first. It kind of depends where the venue is. But for for Tokyo, they're going to have us in a stadium. So we'll start with the swim and 200 meters freestyle. Um, The faster your time, the more points you get. And then after the swim, so for every event, you get about a 20-minute warm-up. So after the swim is over, you'll have a little bit of a break. You'll go to the fencing. And then the fencing is a round robin, uh, one touch, one minute with every opponent. And in the Olympics, uh, you'll have 36 athletes, 36 men, 36 women. So you'll fence each opponent once. Uh, and the more victories you have at the end of that, the more points you get. So you're trying to get as many points as you can. And are the points um, all cumulative through the sports? Or are you, you get a total score in fencing, a total score in horseback riding, et cetera? You'll get a total score in each event, and then they'll accumulate that um, at the end of the day for who the winner is. Okay. And then, so so after the first two events, um, fencing and swimming, then you'll go to the horseback riding, which is a random draw. So you are getting a random horse that you have never ridden before, and uh, you get 20 minutes to warm up at the horse, and then you have to go out and do a show jumping course. So for horse people out there, they, they'll probably understand that more. You're not judged on how well you look doing it. The main goal is to get over all of the jumps, not, not knock down any rails, not have refusals, and be under a certain allotted time to get a perfect score. So you're, you're putting in a lot of faith with that animal. Um, you're sweet-talking them, trying to figure them out in the warm-up arena to go out there and execute that course and complete it to the best of your ability. Like I said, it doesn't matter what it looks like. Just got to get her done. And then after those three events, they'll put you into a ranking system. And so whoever is in first place after those three events will start the run shoot combined event first. The run shoot combined event combined. I'm already scared. (laughs) Walking through that. So the running and shooting is now combined into a single event, whereas back in the day it used to be separate. So the, you'll come in to shoot and you'll do five hits on a target. You go and run 800 meters. You have to do another five hits, run 800 meters, five hits, 800 meters, five hits, and then you'll finish with that last 800 meters. And the way they, they do kind of a handicap start for the combined so if you're starting in first place, you basically start at zero. And then if I'm in second and I'm five points behind first place, I'll start five seconds back and so on and so forth. And your goal is to catch that person in front of you and finish the event first. Wow. So it's so very, you say it was four rounds, five rounds of 800 meters? Four rounds. So you're doing okay. two miles total. Okay. And then you have to have 20 hits on a target. So it's similar to a is biathlon. The, and is that handgun? Is it rifle? What are you shooting? Um, so it's an air pistol, but air pistol. they have taken it now and we shoot lasers. They want us in a um, – the our sport actually was in jeopardy of being cut from the Olympics, so they've had to make a couple of modifications. And now um, we're in a stadium where all the events are hosted in one stadium, so we shoot laser now because it's a lot safer. You don't have the pellets. Yeah, I feel like it's a little safer, yeah. <laughs> Especially with uh, audience everywhere. Well, when you said uh, running and then shooting, I'm like, well, hang on a second. That 
yeah, that, that feels a lot better. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I watched also when I visited the center, I saw, um, I met a couple really, really phenomenal Paralympians, one of the uh, shooting gold medalists. And he was explaining, you know, basically shooting one-handed from the wheelchair in like the straight shooting uh, games, which clearly is a different setup, different everything than what you guys are doing. Obviously yes. with, with the, um, with <laughs> so you're running two miles. How, how is it shooting the last target um, or the last five shots? Is it for you like mentally wise? Are you able to reset yourself as if it's your first shots again? Or does it ever, does it kind of build up of like, all right, this is my last chance. I better be good. How does, like, tell me a little bit about the mindset for the first targets versus the last targets. So sometimes I'm actually more nervous for the first shoot. And then I kind of get more into a rhythm, more into, uh, sometimes with the harder I'm breathing and the more pressure I'm under, I actually tend to shoot better. Um, But I mean, every competition is a little bit different, Um, kind of depends on, you know, where I'm at in the competition, if there's a ton of people around me. But I think the main thing is, is kind of figuring out how to put those blinders on and just tunnel vision with you and your target. And the hardest thing is they have all 36 targets set up so you can see what everyone else is shooting around you. So if the person behind you is hitting green, 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 and you start focusing on that and you start missing, missing, it, it can be a little bit of a mental challenge. Um, so really being able to just put those blinders on and focus on your shooting, your front sight, and kind of separating. A lot of times I get excited to run. I'm like, oh, I want to run, I want to run. And I think that's why I struggle on the first shoot is because I'm like, okay, I want to go run already. I want to go run. And I don't focus completely on getting every shot out, having be smooth. And then it's like, you're shooting. Okay, now I'm running. Okay, I'm shooting. Now I'm running. And yes, you are trying to catch that person in front of you and move up and try and finish in first. But you really have to just mentally be focused on yourself in in that zone, in that moment when you're shooting to be able to get those shots off and get out of the shooting range to run as quick as you can. Man, that's outstanding. Sammy, last couple of questions and I'll let you get back to training. I know uh, you, you gotta, you're got you finishing stretching out your foam roll. You got to get on your run. Um, last couple of questions. When you go to Tokyo, um, is the goal 1000% gold medal all the way? Like it's like winner, 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 or is the goal like, I want to perform my best. I want to show up. I want to do my best no matter the result. How, what's your mindset going in? Cause I don't know if there's a right mindset or not, but what's yours? I, I agree with that. I don't really think there is a right mindset, but I think for me, yes, ultimately winning a medal would be amazing. But going out there and just saying, I'm going to do this event to the best of my ability. I'm going to stick to what I, you know, stick to my fundamentals, stick to what I've trained, trust my training, know that I have the confidence and almost embrace that just the being there. Cause I, a lot of times going leading into Rio, I put a ton of pressure on myself to make the Olympic team. That was like the end all be all like making the Olympics. And I didn't really enjoy the journey. I didn't, embrace every every bit of getting to travel and compete and just really being able to embrace the um the opportunity that I had and I think that's kind of what I really want to go into this this year is just saying you know this is an incredible year I really want to embrace the journey and enjoy it not try to put so much pressure on myself um I'm so hard on myself and I'm somewhat of a perfectionist, which can be a good thing and a bad thing. 
But, um, I think if you put all that pressure on yourself, it doesn't make it fun anymore. And it, it makes it miserable for the people around you, uh, cause you're just so stressed out all the time. And I don't want to be that person. I want to enjoy it and just be present in the moment and do the best I can. And if a medal is a result of that, then that's great. If it's not, I can know that I did everything I could. And, um, I put my, my heart and soul into every day of our training and really did my best. And, you know, my family's still going to love me. Uh, my friends are still going to love me, whether I walk away with a medal or not. Hey, you know, I, I think that that's a phenomenal answer for that. Well, Sammy, we are all pulling for you in 2020 Tokyo, the whole driven entrepreneur team, all of us were excited for you. Um, Final question, if you could go back and talk to the little Sammy at two years old starting skiing about anything <laughs> sports or athletics, what would you change? What advice would you give her? Or would you leave it all the same and say, just do what you did? Hmm, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I would, I think everything does happen for a reason, but I would say don't compare yourself so much to the people around you. Everyone is on their own path and their own journey. Everyone's gone through different experiences. So you have to make your own, your own path. And I don't know if I really would have even understood what that meant <laughs> being young Sammy, but um, em embracing the people I meet and the journey I'm on, um, you know, I am my own athlete and I have to create my own journey and my own path. Well said, Sammy. Thank you so much for your time. I sure appreciate you. Awesome. I'm, thank you so much for having me on the show. And um, hopefully if you come back out to the training center, um, hit me up and uh, maybe I'll, I'll show you a little bit about laser shooting and um, some fencing. It'd be really fun. You can count on it. Maybe I can use a go-kart or something or a golf cart in between <laughs> uh, for, for the 800 meters, but I would love, I'd love to shoot. Thanks, Sammy. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, that is Sammy Schultz today. Thank you so much again to Sammy. Thank you to Colt, the Olympic and Paralympic Training Center of the United States uh, for lending some of these amazing athletes to, uh, to hang out on our show. Remember, you can, you can support Sammy Schultz. Go over to samanthakusa.com slash you dash or hyphen can dash uh, help. And if you just go to samanthakusa.com and you find you can help, there's a button up there. And feel free to support, donate. It's, think of it as a GoFundMe for someone with a huge Olympic dream. It costs a ton uh, to get into you know, all the World Cups she has to go to to qualify for. They're about five grand each one. So even just competitions themselves have you know, 20,000 plus a year, um, of course, plus you know, full time and all the rest of the stuff that it takes. So um, I'm excited to support her and I can't wait to uh, cheer her on at the Olympics in Tokyo 2020. It's exciting stuff. Remember to uh, subscribe, rate, and review to the show if you haven't already. Check out The Driven Entrepreneur, and you can follow me at Matt Ronnie on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and comment, you know, um, interact, do some stuff, and let me know what you want to hear on the show coming up. As usual, get out there this weekend and crush it. Have an awesome weekend. I'll see you next week.